55 degrees, 632. Good evening. I'm Tim Dittman in the DWS studio as our coverage of the consolidated election continues. Polls close at the top of the hour. We'll be with you all night bringing you the results of the races that you care about and affect where you live. Things like mayors and school boards and city councils, community college boards, park boards, and the like. Michael Kaiser is alongside. Scott Beatty joins us next hour. Evan Kahn helping us out behind the scenes. And we welcome to the program... Lindsay Jones, News Gazette media education reporter. Your beat's been pretty busy lately. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing at all. No, not a bad thing. Let's talk about the Champaign and Urbana races. Uh, nine candidates vying for four seats on the Unit 4 school board, including three of the incumbents who are up for election, Amy Armstrong, Chris Kleppel, and Kathy Shannon. Uh, you talked to all the candidates. You attended forums not asking you to rank one candidate over the other, but what, what stood out to you? What are the big themes? What are the candidates talking about? Um, I think kind of a uniting theme of the challengers to the incumbents is that what they have said prompted them to run in the first place was the Champaign Federation of Teachers negotiation process last year. Um, all three of them have mentioned watching that play out, watching the near strike, and all three of them have expressed um, a desire to see things done differently, and they're stepping up and hoping to do that with the, a chance to be on the school board. And CFT released their endorsements a while back. Uh, Jennifer Enoch getting one, Michael mm -hmm. Fulmer, mm -hmm. uh, Elizabeth Sotaropoulos, and Amy Armstrong was the only incumbent to get an endorsement from the teachers' union, so that tells you something right there. That is correct. She was the only one. Well, as you as you look at this situation, there were some transparency issues as well uh, with the Windsor Road building purchase. People were upset. About, were you at that school board meeting when people were upset about that issue? And it was like three point two million somewhere around that. And the people were they didn't really know about it too far in advance. It wasn't advertised that much. Uh, that's a pretty big expense, and people thought maybe they should have been more forthcoming. And so I think there's some transparency issues that were there at least with that issue. Yeah. Um at the time, I do remember that being kind of a big deal um, when people did find out about it. I'm not sure how much that that is going to play into this yeah. election, but um, there have been a couple of people that have brought that up, um, including some of the challengers who yeah. are running as well. Um, I think that that was kind of an issue that the public would have liked to have weighed in on maybe. But again, I don't know how much that's going to play into tonight's yeah. results. As you talk to all the candidates, uh, did you get a feel? Obviously, Chris Kleppel, the board president, uh, you know, it's there are a lot of things going on with the facility upgrades across the district right now, and then the issue with with, with Spalding Park, and that's not really a, a school board issue. That's just a weather issue. It sounds like with the field not really settling, but. Mm -hmm. um, as you look at that, there could be some big change over the board, and there's been a lot of change over the board in the last several years. Uh, is that a concern to some of the people on the board right now? Yeah, so all of the incumbents, they definitely want to see this work through. I mean, they were part of the group that actually passed a successful yeah. referendum mm -hmm. on the third time, um, so naturally they want to uh, see that commitment to the end. Um, it, there will be a learning curve with any new member that joins the board. Um, everybody has been pretty upfront about that fact. Um, there will be at least one new face, so there will be at least one person, you know, on that learning curve, no matter what, taking Kathy Richards' seat since she is not running. Um, but the work, they've got project managers, they've got people in charge, so that work is going to continue um, and kind of run like a machine, regardless of who is on the board. Do, do you think that um, it's been more daunting uh, for the current board because there are so many projects going on at once and it's such it's so much money that they are having to adjust and add money to, to this project and, and to that project later on? 
Uh, do you think it's been a little more overwhelming for them than they expected, the ones that are currently on the board? I don't know if I would use the word overwhelming, but I think that there have been factors that you couldn't anticipate in 2016. Um, there's been talk at some board meetings about whether or not steel tariffs are playing into these budget increases when they are sending out certain packages to bid. Um, there's talk about how the U of I is doing a lot of construction work and how when there's um, a lot of work being done, it's kind of harder to get people um, to get bids and stuff like that. Um, so I think that those are factors that were maybe not foreseeable in 2016 that are playing out now. And the board is kind of like moving with those factors. We're talking with Lindsay Jones, News Gazette media education reporter here on our election night coverage. Let's move over to Urbana contested races in District 4 and District 6. Uh, let's start with District 4 because a unique situation which you have written about at length and Hall is the incumbent Carrie Brown Tess is the challenger, and some might refer to her as an absentee candidate, but you did a profile on her. Well, why don't you first of all explain her situation and then uh, tell our listeners, in case they missed it, what she told you. Uh, so she is currently on a Fulbright scholarship doing research, which is a huge honor, but it uh, has resulted in her leaving the country to go to Chile for an extended period of time um, with an expected return date around November or December. And that would mean, you know, missing physically these board meetings, not being able to meet in person with um, constituents or other people in the district for these several months. It is a four-year term, but um, this is where the learning curve starts, you know, after the election. And so she would be um, absent for several months. Um, the Illinois Association of School Board, though, does have no provisions about that. So you can attend um, meetings virtually. I think that um, district-wise, I think legally they would have to sort out things about the oath um, and whether or not that absence is mandated because um, it's not like a health absence or anything like that so kind of an interesting situation that not doesn't come up very often <laughs> no, doesn't. The, the other contested race for urbana school board is sub district six the incumbent is paul Poloski. felipe menento is the challenger uh whoever wins these two races uh just like unit four is going to have some big issues on their plate uh both of them at least in my mind are kind of tied together the search for a superintendent and then sorting out all of these discipline problems primarily at the middle and high schools and i know that's something else uh you have covered extensively uh as well uh maybe want to recap for our listeners the latest on the superintendent search where is the district at right now um so they have created a candidate profile which required a lot of community input they are working with a national search firm called School Exec Connect. They're based in Minnesota. Um, they've partnered with the Urbana District. They did some forums. They did some focus groups. They did an online survey to get just community feedback to create a candidate profile for, you know, who they would like to see as superintendent, who they'd like to see as the head of the district. Um, there were a lot of qualifications, and it will not be possible to find someone who meets everybody's <laughs> um, requested qualification, but they're really hoping to find somebody who is relationship-focused and who will... Um, not kind of do things in a top-down manner, but do things in a collaborative, inclusive manner that's going to not leave any voices out. And I believe the last I read was they want that person in place by summer, I believe July, so uh, Preston Williams can have his exit and that new person can take over? Yeah, um, 
they have a board timeline available on their website. They would like to be doing interviews this month, possibly announcing a name next month and getting that person in the summer. But there has been talk of if the right person, if the right candidate doesn't present themselves, if School Exec Connect, you know, doesn't deliver what the district needs, they have talked about being willing to find maybe an interim in the meantime, just to make sure that they make the right long-term decision for the district rather than a quick short-term solution. And that would be, if I'm following you correctly, a second interim, because I believe Preston right. Williams can only work a certain number of days. Yeah, I think it's 120 days right. due to his retirement So possibly status. two interim superintendents uh, in Urbana. How, how uh, difficult would that be because of the issues the district is facing with the restorative practices and the discipline issues, the fight at the beginning of last month, uh, well, actually two months ago, two months ago now almost, in February, um, how big of a deal would that be to not have a permanent leader at the district level with these issues and trying to navigate through them? I think it would be a big deal. I don't think that that's what anybody would like to see happen um, at all. I think that they would like to get a permanent person in place as soon as possible because um, there is a lot of relationship mending that needs to happen in the district still. Um, and part of the issue with the whole um, restorative justice implementation was not necessarily that it was kicked off last year, but um, it was being implemented in a very incremental way for several years. And then it was accelerated last year. And it was accelerated in a way that board members described as top down, as not listening to their directives, um, as, as a way that didn't include teacher voices or um, community voices. So, because of that acceleration and because people weren't necessarily included in that process, there's a lot of relationship building left to do and a permanent superintendent would be good to start that. Lindsay Jones on the Education Beat. We will uh, look for your recaps of the school board races and plenty more coverage in the News Gazette and online. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Six.